I can't describe it. I have chills telling you about it now. But when I <laughs> crank the car up and you go through that little wall at Pomona and you go in front of the tower and you go in the Bronx, you know this is it. This is you're either going to win the championship or you're about to lose it right here. It's time for Class Racing Today, the podcast for the NHRA Class Racing fan. Welcome back to Class Racing Today. Class Racing Today, the almost Thanksgiving edition. Uh, <laughs> Bobby is here with us again from the, I would say, cold, based on his uh, Facebook uh, video yesterday, I think. Uh, I don't know, was that just a, what were you, what were you in? I mean, were you in the Klondike with that parka you had on? <laughs> Did you see that thing? <laughs> of course. <laughs> that was that was a, one of the best clearance rack finds I ever acquired right there. That thing kept me nice and warm yesterday while I, uh, you know, winterized. Well, cause, well, winterized the motorhome, winterized the race cars, you know, the whole whole thing that we have to do up here mm-hmm. and craig yeah what uh, you would have to do out there right. i'm not sure our guest today has to do anything like that includes the word winterize <laughs> probably not but, um, I, I did talk to brian yesterday because he was you know lamenting the fact that he has actual work that he was going to take him away from this show so he's not here today um i don't know if he's just prepping his thanksgiving meal for tomorrow it's possible uh, but we were talking about your your attire in that video and we thought we should do a video from here in the actual cold in like short sleeves just to, but anyway well that's we went out to st louis for that <laughs> right. big money race that bohannon had yeah by the way congrats bohannon on winning a million dollars recently Woo. and i was layered up there and there goes brian on a golf cart and a t-shirt and I'm like, man you you dakotans really are a different uh, right read yeah cold-blooded this is, right this is episode 41 class racing today classracingtoday.com if you have any questions or comments you can uh, send them to classracingtoday at gmail.com. Uh, and if you want a t-shirt or a sticker, you can send a note there. We can get that to you. If you want to help support the show so we can keep having guests on like we have today, um, give us a shout out there, classracingtoday at gmail.com. All right, Bobby. Take it away. All right. Well, Craig, don't forget to let them know that they can buy stars if they do oh, yes. appreciate I the show. Oh, yes. I forgot about that. Yeah, that is on like a, Facebook a now, thing now live. That's right. You can shoot some stars at us, which, yeah, whatever. It's Anyway, it's in the comment little box there, um, and that translates to um, some monetary uh, love, I think. But it, anything is good. Sharing it out to your friends is a great thing as well, so continue to do that. Woo! Ooh, is that a star? Bing! <laughs> is that what that sounds like? I don't know. It is. Hey, there it is. <laughs> All right. Oh, Brian's not it? here. Well, Bri- Brian's not here, so he's going to th- throw some love. How about that? Oh, it was Brian. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, we had we had a little bit of a uh, an action-packed weekend last weekend. I kind of covered that in my little flash news yesterday, and I appreciate the comments. Um, I was winterizing, and um, well, my father and I were winterizing the motorhome yesterday and the uh, super stock car, and... Um, I, I appreciate the comments for anybody else who's going through the same misery that we do once we hit, you know, one of these Northeast uh, winners up here. Um, Jimmy Hidalgo, I covered that yesterday. He won stock and super stock down in Bell Rose. And he set a record uh, as far as I read. So congratulations to him. He, he really had a, a good year. Um, he, he went out West. He tried to, to try to get that world championship. He didn't quite get it. So what does he do? He goes back home and just decides to win a couple, you know, double up and set a record just to tell everybody, you know, 
thanks, and I'll be back next year. Mm-hmm. I guess that was his way of, of doing that. Um, today's guest, though, you know, it's kind of hard to get these 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 famous people on the podcast, <laughs> but once in a while, I you know, I try to come through. I beg and plead enough, annoy people enough, you know, and um, once in a while they say yes. So today's guest um, just clinched his first world championship unbeknownst to me because i thought he had like four or five of these already uh no stranger to the winner's circle uh jeg's all-star win this year in stock eliminator uh in indianapolis where it was contested um hails out of i want to say pasadena texas but has a car dealership kind of in the houston area um he can clarify all that for us uh runs a 1969 camaro and a stock automatic and or b stock automatic uh, Mr. Jerry, Jam and Jerry Emmons. Jerry, how are you doing, sir? Hey, Bobby. How's it going? Thank you for having me on the show. I, it's very, very much so a privilege, and I'm just, I'm glad to be here. And congratulations on your first national event win this year. We were all, I think you probably had more fans than you think watching and pulling for you. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate it. And it was, yeah, definitely the highlight of my recent career. So I, I finally got to uh, experience what you're which you're probably tired of experiencing by now. <laughs> uh, I don't think you'd ever get tired of that. No, I don't think so. So Jerry, um, we know you're working today, so we, we thank you for taking the time. And let's start there, Jerry. What Explain, you know, the family business here. What, what do you guys do for a living? So we have a, a pre-owned car dealership, so used only, n- nothing new. And uh, it's, we have four brothers total. I'm a triplet, and then I have one older brother. And then we have a great team of people that have helped get, get us to the level that we are today. So we, uh, we built this place probably three and a half years ago. Uh, it's in Webster, Texas. So it's uh, it's right off of I-45. It's not on the feeder, but you can still see us from the freeway. It's off of I-45 South, which is the main uh, freeway here in Houston. And like here, so if you're ever going through and you're going to Galveston to the beach for whatever reason, just look to the right on exit 25 and you'll see us. So we, we've, my dad started a business with, uh, uh, with a fellow racer, uh, Mike Trumbull. It was called T and E used cars back in the day. And that's a good story. I have a good story to tell you about that later. But, um, so as, you know, as we got older, my dad and Mr. Trumbull, uh, you know, dissolved the, the dealership. So we had our dealership and Mr. Trumbull had his and, and we're all still great friends. Uh, my dad has since passed. Mr. Trumbull has passed, but I'm still friends with Mikey Trumbull Jr. And who does who gives a lot of help my way too is in the racing. But uh, we have a a car dealership. We sell roughly 300 cars a month. Uh, it's 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 an animal, and but uh, we definitely enjoy it. I don't want to act like that. It's not that it's not fun, but it's it has its challenges. Uh, my dad, when we moved. I guess we moved, well, yeah, three and a half years ago, uh, we built it. And my dad at the time was alive and, and he said, you guys have no idea what you're, what you're getting yourself into the liability, the exposure and boy, oh boy, was he ever right. It's been a challenge, but, but we enjoy coming to work. Now, if you're selling that many cars, um, you have employees helping you. It's not just the family. Do you have outside help? Yes, that's correct. We have anywhere between 15 to 20 sales staff. Uh, at any given time, we have a general manager. We have a, a, a full-fledged paint and body shop. We have a service center, so it's like a new car dealership. But we are not branded to anyone specifically. We just kind of roll 
and do our own thing. Now, in, in speaking with um, the Hidalgo family, they have used car uh, dealership too, and that's how they found their race cars. Does this help you guys find your fleet of cars that you show up to the track with? No, uh, and that's a great question. No, if, for us, no. Uh, we, my dad had bought all these cars back in the 80s and some in the 70s. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. When we see something cool coming in through the trade-in aisle, we definitely think about it, but we have way too many as is. Some haven't seen the daylight, and I can't tell you how long. But uh, we definitely see cars that come in like, ooh, that would make a good, a good run, especially now like the Copo Camaros. Or the Cobra Jets. Well, you know, we have some Cobra Jets, but yeah, when you see a newer, newer generation car, you think hmm, that could be, that could be a lot of fun. Yes, I was very surprised when you guys started uh, driving a Cobra Jet in that family because it was like a, you know, there's twelve Chevys lined up in a row, and then there's one straggling Cobra Jet, like the redheaded stepchild up at the top of the uh, aisle up there. So, real quick, how did that happen? How did you guys get a Cobra Jet? I'll say one name, Bo Butner. He's the salesman of all salesmen. So we were kind of wanting to go a little faster to speed up the ET. And Bo Butner could sell ice cream to an Eskimo. I mean, he really can. He's really good, very personable. Anyway, but we've been friends for a long time. And we kind of reached out. And I, maybe we heard he was selling one of them because we bought the black one first, then we bought the blue one, and then we built the, the white one with the help of Charlie Bob Downing and NPR race cars. But um, my older brother was wanting to kind of speed up the ET some. So we kind of thought we'd go into that and, um, and it was fun. We have, we've had our challenges trying to figure it out, getting the tune up, right. We, uh, leaned the motors out way too many times for a while there, they would go seven, eight, 10 runs. We'd burn them up. And we thought we knew what we were doing. We reached out for some tuning help, uh, and that didn't work out, but now we have a, a guy that, that really, does a great job for us. And my brother Gary has really dug into it more to learn more about it so that we're not so self-reliant on someone else, but we do have uh, a good, a good guy that helps us. And, uh, and it's really made the learning curve a whole lot easier. We're not breaking as much and everything's back together in one piece. So we're good. Yeah. Well, it's always more, more fun to go to the races and come back with a car that's still in one piece and a motor that's still in one piece for sure. So now let's switch gears here and focus on your car, the 69 Camaro, um, A stock and B stock automatic, 396, 375 horse motor. Can you tell us a little bit about this car, um, the, a little bit of the specs and maybe how long you've been driving it? That, that's a great question. I'm, I'm glad you asked. So this car came out of, I believe it was Hempstead, Texas. My dad bought it in the mid to late 80s, and it was a G and H car at the time. A guy by the name of uh, Lon Painter had it. And my dad bought it. We were just becoming of the age to, to race. So he bought it for my brother, Terry, and he raced it for a lot of years. And then we, uh, as, you know, as time went by, we wanted to, to go quicker. So we thought, well, we're going to put a big block in it. So there's a really good friend of ours and very good at what he does, Ronnie Spears with Ronnie Spears race cars. And he's local. So we took the car over to him. And now my dad didn't know because my dad was always a 350 Chevy guy. So let, let me kind of back up for that. So we had uh, like three or four. So we had a 1969 Chevelle, which we still own. My dad bought that in the early 70s. And then that was a super stalker back then. But all they did, they just got a, a torch and a hammer and kind of beat in the, the frame rails. So they could put like an 11 and a half inch wide tire in it, never tubbed it. So it was like a super stock LKM, whatever it was, all those years. 
And then so as it, you know, it wasn't very competitive in super stock. So as the years went by and I started driving, that's what I started out with. But we had a 350 small block that we bought off of Larry Henderson. And uh, he had a stick car at the time. So we put it in and that's how we got started with that. And then every car we had had a 350 small block. So we did that because we only had to have one spare motor, one spare converter, one, one transmission. So you had four boys racing. My dad had a super stocker at the time. So it made everything very affordable. Uh, you know, we, we, and still to this day, we try to run as lean as we can without overextending ourselves. And this car came from Hempstead, Texas, and it was a 350 small block at the time. Terry would race it for a lot of years, but then he wanted to put a big block in it. Well, my dad was very anti-big block. My dad was very like, you'll never spin a tire with a 350 small block with a power glide. That, that was his thing, right? So he slid this car. I guess somehow he taught, he spoke to Ronnie Spears, a guy that bracket races, really good driver. And we kind of pulled the engine out and slid it over to Ronnie Spears and never told my dad until it was halfway getting built. And he wasn't very happy about it. But <laughs> so uh, during the build, Terry wanted to go super stock racing. And I, at the time, Gary Wisecarver had taken our 1969 Camaro convertible super stock car, which was the 350 small block, super K, super J car. And we had made it, converted it to be a big block, which we bought Dan Fletcher. If you remember when Dan Fletcher had pulled out his reliable 396 aluminum head deal and put a modified motor in his car, well, we bought everything from carburetor to, to transmission. We bought everything. And uh, so Terry wanted to go super stock racing. So, he, uh, but that was going to be for me. So he said, well, I'll tell you what, you take, the, you take my stalker. because I know you want to drive a big block, uh, a big block stalker and I'll take the super stalker. So that's what we did. So we changed before the car was ever built and, and we, we never switched and he's gone on to have the modified Cavalier now, but I really enjoy the big block, uh, the big, you know, the big block combination. I wanted to go as fast as I could. And I thought I would win a lot more races than I did, uh, but it brought a, a whole new set of challenges for a long time. I drove an I stock automatic Chevelle, which was, 1180s to 12s, so it was a clean tree most of the time. Now I had to get used to the other cars leaving in front of me, and I I, I wouldn't say I'm the best, but I I like my odds judging the finish line with a, a slower car looking over my shoulder. I, I was able to do that pretty well, but now I have the rate of closure uh, with a with a big block that I was never used to, and you know you're going you know 20 30 mile an hour sometimes 20 30 mile an hour faster than the guy you're running. It's not as easy. So that brought on its own challenges. And, you know, just it took years and years to kind of get through it, making changes to your driving style. That didn't work. So you got to try something else. So I hope that answered your question. But, yeah, so it came from Hempstead, Texas, with this, naturally as a 350 small block. We converted to a, a big block combination. And, uh, and I'll, I'll never, ever go back to a, a small block combination i will never drive a, a slow car I, just because i feel so confident in what i have now yeah now i anybody that's listened to this podcast before knows that i i fully i think having the faster car is a little bit of an advantage in the closing rate more so though maybe maybe not as much about having the faster car but not having quite the different differential um if you're getting chased if you are chasing if it's Let's say less than a, I don't know, half a second or whatever, 
0.75. You can judge no matter if you're getting chased or, or, or chasing. Like when you are chasing, let's say you're chasing, you know, Bill O'Connor and the, the slow roller. Like that's that's tough for you and tough for him. I mean, that's nobody that has an advantage there. He does because he gets the clean tree. I think I would say that the, there the slow car has the advantage. But um, when you can change up your whole uh you make all the races look different for yourself when you are maybe in like that b c stock automatic area where you're in the uh i don't say like low tens or something like that i just think it's it's just a great place to be for for drive it can that can take a driver who's maybe not so polished and and make them drive better than than they normally would um i completely agree with that uh i always call him the king al the king quarter I remember he won a national event one time, and I believe it was in one of, one of his Chrysler cars. And I remember reading the National Direction article, and he had said, he had really laid it out and, and explained it very well. He just said, when you're the faster car and you're chasing, it's like looking through the lens of a video camera. You see it in front of you the entire time, whereas opposed to when you're the slower car getting chased, you're just getting snapshots of the run as you, as you keep looking back. And, uh, you know, so I have a lot of respect for guys like Jody Lang, last year's world champion. He is the man in a, not just a slower car, but you're talking about a boxy square nose front end Malibu wagon. And that guy is probably the best I've ever seen in a slow car. I agree. I, when you can do it in something like that, that's, that speaks volumes. Um, now your car, your car is, has got to be fun to drive too, as far as it, shoots the front end way up in the air um lands nicely too what what kind of shocks and uh uh, what kind of shocks are you are you running on the front of that thing so i have the uh, santa front shocks on the front and they do a really good job on the landing um they the guys are at in their technical in their technical department you know they've i told them what i wanted i like my car to leave very nice that was the whole point i drove a, a car that picked the wheels up three inches my entire life and i wanted to have some fun uh loose is fast right so davy allison the guy that we all probably know uh kind of coined that for me he said loose is fast keep the front end loose and it, it'll run so we uh we really enjoy driving driving it that way i know people say oh if it gets too high it's inconsistent i disagree with that i mean yeah if it gets like it's on the bumper right? yeah for sure but uh i have back to backed it where it can leave very nice it lands properly and I'm telling you, it's it's really fun to drive. And and Brian Tilburg, you know, he does all of my engines, which I have to give him a lot of credit because I think I've won five heads up races this year, maybe six. I know it was five. And the funny thing about uh, about Brian Tilburg is that I had a, a previous engine builder at first, but Tilburg had always done another engine for one of our cars. And uh, and I was I would never use him because the guy would never call me back. So I would call him, he'd never call. He'd never, uh, he'd never answer his phone. The voicemail was full. And I thought, this guy is a jerk. You know, like that's, I don't like, I'm not going to do business with a guy that doesn't want to call me back. And then, so I, so one day at the office, I was with my brother and I said, look, I'm going to show you, I'm trying to call Brian Tilburg and he will not call me back and won't answer. So I did it. Guess what? He didn't answer. So I, I said, you call him from your phone. Cause my brother, uh, had some dealings with him. Answers on the second or third call. So I went like, what, what gives? And come to find out, he, I said, hang on, let, let me see your phone. I had the wrong phone number the entire time I was calling. I don't even know how it was programmed, but it was the wrong phone number. So once I got the right number, we became, uh, we did business together. And he's been 
a great help and uh, very instrumental in my success, uh, very much so. Yeah, oh, he's, I mean, he's one of the best. You see his name on a lot of cars um, in Division One for sure, uh, but I mean, he's up in, in the woods of Pennsylvania, and you're all the way down there in Texas, and even you're using him. So he's got business all over the country, which is, you know, that, that shows you how good he is. Um, how about your uh, transmission and torque converter? Who uh, builds those? You got it. So uh, ATI, I have an ATI converter. I've been with them for, geez, my dad used ATI since before we were old enough to start racing. So they have a very good product. They have great transmissions. We have a transmission that we use from them. But right now I have a roster 350 uh, in my car. And I mean, I'm that thing is just indestructible. I mean, I, I change the fluid once a year. And, um, and, and I, I don't even think he builds three fifties anymore. I called him just to get a spare about a year or two ago. And he says, I don't do those anymore. I do like turbo four hundreds, but they're lightened and things like that. And I said, well, I'll, I'll stick with what I have. So I'm cross my fingers. I've, we have no problems, but, uh, a roster three fifty ATI converter. Um, uh, I, uh, Alan bills with SNS carburetors. He does my, my carburetor, the Holly seven eighty carburetors. Um, man, it's just, you know, Hoosier racing tires. I have uh, the strange rear, the strange gear in the rear end. of a 488. I used to have a 513, but it was real violent. But it didn't bother me any. But it would, <laughs> it would always, you know, with a good motor and a good air, it just runs a little bit too tight. So I put the 488 in it and uh, seemed to do pretty well with that. Oh, nice. Yeah, I would like to see it do some wheelies with the 513, huh? Oh yeah. Um. So it, you guys are well represented or i should say you guys represent lucas oil at the track like a pro team it's a sight to see and um it, you know it you, you can be envious as a sportsman racer and say how, how am i ever going to compete against a team like that look at them they show up like it, it, rem, it reminds me of when you know when we were in high school you know sports or baseball you show up and you look like a unit and you intimidate people like that you can win the game before you even step foot on the field you guys uh can can intimidate racers before you even get a car out of the trailer which is sweet but not only that you guys you represent that brand so well you guys are in uniform your 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 rig is clean the awning comes out you i mean it takes you guys it has to take a couple hours to set that uh up i, I imagine but um can you speak about how this relationship with Lucas Oil kind of took shape? That is a wonderful question, and I, I would love to tell you that story. And it's 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 really interesting. So Bob Munkerford, right, the, the uh, NHRA announcer, it's his birthday today, so happy birthday, uh, Bob. So years ago, Bob Munkerford was walking through the stage lanes at, at a Dallas national event, and he just so happened to stop by my car. And he knew at the at the time. But let, let me back up just, just previously because I, I think it's important to say this. So, when we were young, uh, way before we could race, my dad was always really good about. I mean, this was way back in the late '70s, man. He had T-shirts made with his car on it, with his with the TNE used cars, him and Mike Trumbull. They had the the logo on the back, his car on the front. He always had the matching hat. And my dad was super cool about that. And when we would go to the races with him, he made sure. All four of us boys wore a hat, wore a T-shirt. We couldn't wear Mitch. We couldn't wear. Well, I don't know if the old Navy was around back then, but you know, you couldn't wear anything but what he had. And, but we felt even I even remember then I felt important. My dad had a good way 
of making you making your self-esteem feel very good just by by dressing the part. So fast forward a little bit more. We uh, we were partnered up with Vaveline Motor Oil to to represent a product called Pyrol Automotive Chemicals. So it was like brake cleaner, um, you know, lithium grease and things like that. And uh, we our guy was Mike Gruber, and he one of the most awesome guys to ever have connected with you and your racing program. Super cool. And, and unfortunately I've, I've lost contact with him. I haven't spoke with him in a while, but really good guy. And, and being with him and that, and that organization really kind of helped us understand about branding and what we had to do going forward. Well, then when that deal went away, we were on our own. So all of our cars at the time, their wrap was not available at the time. So we had painted everything. So when we all started racing, everything was like my car that I drive now was blue uh, another car was red. Another car was, I don't know, black. I mean, it's just, so when you had them all lined up, yeah, it was okay, but it didn't really have the, it didn't speak of the, of, it didn't have the branding that we wanted. So after Pyro had went away, we just peeled off the decal and just put Emmons Motorsports on the door. And that looked okay, right? Everything was clean and, and looked the same. Well, then uh, Bob Bungerford was walking through the lanes one day at the Dallas national event. And just so happened to stop by my car. And, we're, and we've always been friends, but we were talking. And I said, Bob, I have to tell you what I want to do. If you can help us get a partnership with, a, with the sponsor, then we're going to put you in a race car. It doesn't matter uh, the money. You just get us in and you'll have a race car to drive at every event that we go to. He says, you got it. So uh, as time went on, you know, Lucas Oil was around. So we had sent in a proposal. Uh, we didn't get any, any action from it. Well, then the following year we were, uh, Bob was still, still trying to get us some help. So he said, Hey, um, I know he knew Forrest Lucas and Charlotte Lucas pretty well. You know, they were at the track and he, he had spoke to him quite a bit and he had put our name in a hat and you know how conversations go. I'm sure everyone, even to this day, probably still hits them up with sponsorships. I can only imagine being in that position, which you get bombarded with. So just so happened we were at the uh, Jags All-Stars event, and I believe Morgan Lucas was driving alcohol dragster. I believe, I'm not, not 100%, but they were there. And they were at the tent, you know, how they do the, the dinner for all the, the, federal, the Jags All-Stars competitors. So they were inside the tent. So Bob said, look, I'm going to take you by their table just to introduce you. And I said, I don't know, Bob, I, like, I don't, I don't want to impose on him. And it's just awkward putting them in that situation to talk. He said, no, 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 no. I just want, we're just going to say, hello. Uh, these are, you know, these are the Emmons boys and you know, Terry, Gary, Jerry, Speedy, and uh, have a great weekend. And it's, so that's exactly what he did. We just kind of went by the table, didn't bother them, kind of introduced us. And then as we went on by, then when the end, the end of the year came, we sent in a proposal uh, to Lucas again and some other companies didn't hear back. Well, uh, on Christmas Eve, Charlotte Lucas called Bob Bunkerford and said, Bob, do those boys have those boys picked up any, any sponsorship yet? And he says, no, no, not, they sure haven't. And he said, and she said, well, tell them Merry Christmas. They're on board. So and that, and that's exactly how it happened. Wow. So it was, and, and so um, it's always a, it's, it's not a multi-year contract. It's a year to year contract, which I definitely, I can respect them for that because, you know, you, in this day and time, you don't need to tie yourself up for, for a lengthy contract. And, and it puts all the power in their hands as well. It should. And we do 
so in the beginning, you know, uh, we, we just had stickers on the cars, like Lucas on the hood, Lucas on the door. We just covered up because uh, at the time, so we'd already painted our cars now where they were like an orange and a yellow with a checkerboard on the back. So we just put the sticker over the over our name and raced for that for a couple of years. And as the years went by, we progressed monetarily and with product. And then we were able to kind of turn it into what it is today. Excellent. Now, how many years has this been going? Jeez, uh, someone else asked me that. I want to say, too, well, we had the 18 wheeler since 2009. So that it was probably 2005, 2006, I think is when it happened. Wow. Yeah. So, so long, a long year, over a year going for 15 years now. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. But that says a lot about their company, too. Yeah. And, and I mean, on top of that, they sponsor the, uh, the Sportsman Drag Racing Series, which is, you know, nice of them. I, I appreciate anybody, any company that, pays contingency to us or helps us in any way. Like I tried to, you know, give them shout their name out on the, on this broadcast, or this podcast, anytime I can. Um, which is why I've been keeping everybody updated on, on all my contingency payments that I've been receiving and just trying to say, Hey, this company paid, this company paid, they're good payers buy their products. Ab- so. Absolutely. And Lucas has a great contingency program that we're trying to get more and more people involved. It's not as, you know, that you, know, you have to buy, you know, buy the product to be eligible for the, for the contingency. It's not like you're, you pay, you know, $175 um, just to, for a chance to get a, a check. You're buying product, right? So you're getting something for your value. The, the, so you're getting value for the money. The moment you swipe your credit card the money, or the minute you give them the cash. And now you're eligible for $300 to win when you win a national event. I mean, it's done. It's paid for. And then, and then for your divisional level, you get paid for that too. So it's an incredible program, and I hope more and more people support it in the future. And Jerry, you guys can sign people up for that program at your trailer, right? No, uh, Lucas wanted so in our in our division, uh, Chase and Rick Huffman, they run Super Street Super Super Comp. Uh, they are the ones we direct them over to their trailer, but they they have a nice setup and people know where to go. But at every division, when we go to an out of division event. We try to find out who that rep is because people will come over to us and then we will send them uh, that direction. Okay. So each, each division has a Lucas oil rep that can sign up a racer for contingency. And you, I know in division one, uh, Jeff Kondratik, uh, JK uh, racing does it for us. So um, you have a sign at your trailer, but you will direct them to wherever they need to go in order to do it. And just has to be done before first round. I would assume. That is correct. Yes, absolutely. You have to, your paperwork has to be put in before eliminations of first round. Otherwise it will not be eligible for that day or for that weekend. Okay. And that's um, motor oil and their cleaning products and, and various things, right? Uh, absolutely. Transmission fluid, you, anything you can imagine automotive, they have it. Excellent. Yeah. Great company and a uh, uh, great family. Um Morgan Lucas, haven't really seen him in a while. Randomly was having a drink next to him at a hotel uh, when English Town was still open, and he and his uh, then I think it was his girlfriend at the time. I don't even know if they were married yet, but um, they were really nice. Just just started talking to me and my father, and it was <laughs> it was just the they were just nice people. So cool, man. I hope I hope that uh, relationship and Lucas Oil sticks with you guys for another fifty years or so. Thank you. We, we definitely hope, hope that they uh, will partner with us. And I mean, every year we, you know, we have to do what everyone else does. We have to 
send in the resume, the photos and, and the stats and things like that. So uh, they definitely do a good job recruiting the right people. And I hope that we do a good, you know, a good representation of their brand. So what you do, do you have any advice for racers such as myself, racers that are watching that are, you know, looking for a sponsorship? Maybe you can just throw something out there for them. What any advice for them? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you some good advice that my dad told me years ago. You don't have to have the nicest car, but you can have the cleanest car, right? So the paint can be what it is. But my dad was always strict about cleaning the windows inside and out, cleaning your wheels and armor all in your tires like one inch in. And I do that today. Uh, I get the uh, Lucas Oil's uh, tire shine out of my trunk. I'm in the stage lanes. I don't know if they're clean or if they're, you know, they're clean because I armor them every run. Or not, I'm wrong. I Lucas Oil tire shine them every run, and so I, uh, you know, we we uh, we're very I, put it like this: have the just have your car clean, represent yourself well. Uh, we have been told that uh, they like the clean cut image, uh, and not not just with with Lucas, but with Hoosier Tire, we're sponsored by them, uh, VP Racing Fuels, and a couple other guys that we have partnerships with. Uh, and we don't, you know, I know a lot of people like to like to party and drink well we we don't you know we don't do that um we like to represent we talk to a lot of the fans when they come by uh, and sometimes it's it may may not be at the most opportune time but it man if you could just say hello to someone when they come by your trailer you never know who you're talking to and uh, i've met a lot of high profile people just walking by in at the u.s nationals um i've met some people I never thought I'd meet in my life. And then it turned out there were some pretty big, pretty big wigs at some good companies. So, yeah. And uh, you have to get your information turned in. What before is it November the 15th, I think is what, uh, is what, what we try to do. Um, and we just, uh, you know, you got to have spell check, right. When you do your resume, make sure your, your grammar is good, make sure your spelling is good and, and reach out and, and get some help. Uh, we, I always have, if I'm doing one, something for a post, I'll have my brothers check something. We always check each other's work and uh, not saying we're, that we are immune from mistakes, but we try to minimize the mistakes and try to you know, represent well. And, and obviously, right. Like so many people talk about, well, you know, give me your sticker and give me whatever X amount of dollars. And I, I'm going to re- represent you. I'm going to win races. Well, it's not always about winning races. Uh, I can, as I can tell you firsthand, we've had some bad years as collectively as a team when we, and we struggled for quite some time. And you, if you carry yourself well, and if you represent the brand well, and you try to, and you try to create revenue for them, then, uh, then you're going to have some success. Excellent. Great advice, Jerry. Uh, November 15th though, that's already passed. So anybody that's looking for sponsorship, we yeah. Could be in trouble. <laughs> um, now, Jerry, let's go back to Pomona here. You uh, show up on the West Coast. You're in second place. Joe Santangelo, D1 guy, is in first place. The pressure is kind of on here. And uh, you go out there two rounds behind. I believe he had to make it to the final round to change his uh, points in any way. And the best thing for you to do is go out there and qualify number one get that first round by what happened yeah so that's a that's a 
man, that was a stressful situation. And rolling into Pomona, uh, my mental attitude was was a little bit better than what it had been as when we were loading up for Vegas to leave to go to Pomona. I was pretty upset. I had two opportunities to capitalize and improve my points total, which I did not. So I was felt I felt like this thing was slipping through my hands. And, uh, and I, I wasn't very happy about it. But by the time we got to Pomona, I was unloading. We had talked about a strategy. We're going to run B because I can run farther under the index uh, just in case uh, there was a heads up. I felt like I was pretty competitive there. So we made the first run, had the weight in it, all the oil in it. And we shut off and we said, okay, there were, I think there were 57 cars. And we, we made sure that every car went down the track. And so Lee Zane, which I, I want to talk about him uh, after, after this, but so he had called me and my best friend, Jeff Miller, was telling me about the same time, hey, look, we have an opportunity to get the first or second round by, or actually we were focused on the first round by at the moment. And he said, we need to get this car and go to the, and go to the pole. But well, generally I don't like doing that because I don't like running my car out. I like to keep it about seven to 75 under, keep the average down just because, you know, across the United States, people go fast. It gets the average up and you know, we need to protect it. It's hard enough as it is. So we, uh, we had made the decision talking to Lee Zane and talking to my, uh, my best friend, Jeff Miller, this is what we're going to do. Now, we didn't get all of it. We, we didn't chill it, but we did get the oil out of it and change it. And we put the, uh, got it down to the minimum. And when I went to the finish line and it turned off, Lee Zane had texted me and said, well, we missed it by four thousandths, but that's okay. And, I, and then I replied back. So I was getting my ticket. I was like, man, that just, that's frustrating because now I'm, I'm not going to get it. And I was so focused on the number, the first round by that I didn't realize that I would get the second round by, which in turn, I would rather have that just for the fact of, uh, you know, I don't want, I'll have a buy run first round if I was in one qualifier. Whoever I would run in the second round would already have a look at the tree that day, already have a run in, you know, in the books for them. So, you know, as Kyle Seipel would say, right, you got to race for the odds and, and do what, what we create the wind light in your favor more. So uh, as it turned out, I had to run John Irving Jr., which is a very tough competitor. The guy can hit the tree. He can drive the finish line like no other. And I don't know if he knew. I don't think he knew exactly uh, what was at play there. We didn't talk much, and only because that's probably not his fault. It's mine. I was, I was, uh, I've, honestly, I was under a lot of pressure and I was just trying to focus and not make a mistake. And um, so I, I won first round because he, he turned it red. Thank goodness. And as we turned off the track, we had uh, uh, I pulled off track. I made him stop, and I got out to shake his hands. I mean, I pre- you know, I know you don't like don't like losing first round. I know this you were red, and, and I'm I'm sorry about that. But I don't know if you know this was for the this was for this will now put me in the lead as long as I, nothing happens. I can go up there stage round two, and I go in front of Joe Santangelo now, not knowing what he has to do yet. Uh, you know, he can't get to the final. And uh, so I was pretty, pretty happy. I was excited, but I wasn't overly excited. And then Jimmy DeFrank, he had ran, or he, he, run, he ran right in front of me, and he was out of his car, and, and he, shook my, he shook my hand and said, man, good job, congratulations. Well, I just thought he meant good job first round. And he said, and, uh, and I said, well, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's good, but it's not over yet. I have to make sure I go farther than Joe or, or whatever, and, and, or he loses. And he says, oh, you didn't know? And I said, no. And he said, well, Joe lost. Uh, he turned it red earlier. And I, I couldn't believe it. And I really, I lost it, man. I mean, I was, my brother Gary was down there, very thankful for that. I think Jody Lang, my good friend Brad Plord was down there. Uh, Mike Boehner and his wife were down there. So it was really, 
uh, a lot of cool people uh, that were around. And, and I just couldn't believe it like this. You got to be kidding me. Like it's over. I, I, I just, and even now, like I'm starting to understand they may, hey, you actually won the world championship because it's not that I didn't think I could do it, but you know, we try for so long. It's just a, it's a very big goal. And, uh, and I was, I, I just couldn't believe it. Cause I had told my brothers, I said, look, I don't want to know if Joe wins. I, don't tell me if he wins or loses. I, I don't want to know anything about that. And so, uh, when, when we were running, I ran toward, towards the back of the pack. And I guess Joe was one of the first couple of cars out. I didn't know that. And I didn't look cause I didn't want to know anything. But was, it was, my heart started pumping pretty good because when we're at the front of the lanes, you know, the, there's two, two lanes all the way to the back. I'm at the back and I just kind of put my head down the full board. I'm waiting for my, uh, I'm talking to, to Lee Zane by phone, talking to Jeffrey in the door. And I'm not really looking around, but then I look up half of the session's gone. So now my heart starts pumping. Okay, here we're about to go. And then, um, and then I kind of put my head down again. Jeff Miller comes and talks to me. Uh, Lee Zane just said, look, I'm going to leave you alone. This is, you got this. So uh, then I look up again and there's only like six or seven pair left and it's my time. So, you know, it's just, I can't describe it. I have chills telling you about it now, but when I (laughs) crank the car up and you go through that little wall at Pomona and you go in front of the tower and you go into Brown, you know, this is it. This is you're either going to win the championship or you're about to lose it right here. And uh, I've interesting, if I could, when I won, right, when I when John Irving went, went red and then I went up there for the bye, every, and Lee Zane and all my close friends said, look, man, don't crank this thing any more than you have to. Let's push it. We had a jump box on hand. We had everything in play in case something happened because we, my luck, I would, something would have, the starter would have broke or something. So uh, anyway, so it was nice. And I was just going to take the tree and back up. And I told my brother said, no, man, I want to go down a racetrack. Like, this is a world championship moment for me. And it was just, it was just important for me to go down, to go down the racetrack. Excuse me. Because that means a lot to me. So anyway, so. Uh, now we know it, Jerry. I'm getting chills just listening to the story. I know what you're going through in that car. I, you know, the cars are going by you. It's, it's your turn. On my legs, I'm starting to shake right now. My hands oh, yeah. just got cold listening to your story. Yeah, it's, like, it, it was intense. And, and you had a world championship on the line. You know, I, I I don't have, you know, that on the line when I go up there. Just, you know, a nice paycheck and uh, a little bit of uh, bragging rights. But oof, I don't know that I would have even been able to sleep if I was in your position out there. <laughs> I, I didn't sleep much. I got up the night before like at four o'clock in the morning and I walked, I got out of the, we stay at the track. Our 18 wheeler is, is rigged with, you know, four beds, a shower and a, and a refrigerator and all that. So I couldn't sleep. So I got up and walked all the way down to the end of the track and all the way back, walked back again, all the way back, lay down and, and I couldn't really go to sleep. The sun comes up. So I was like, man, I don't want to be too tired. And, um, you know, and then it's just, you know, just as the moments go by, you know, that this is your, today's the day. And, and, and I can't even describe it really like, because I didn't talk to a whole lot of people much that morning, just my brothers and, and my guys, Lee Zane and Scotty Richardson and Jeffrey. And I almost felt like I, I was kind of elevated a little bit out of my body. I swore I checked my tires a hundred times, checked my throttle linkage on my carburetor. I just kept busy because I didn't want my mind to be idle. 
And we had a, we talked about different scenarios of game plans, depending on how the weather looked and how, what the trend was for the cars going down the track. And um, I almost, I came and described it. I almost felt like I was almost like an outer body experience up until it was going into the burnout. Then you just kind of, oof, you get back in your car and you just do your burnout and you just try not to think. And, um, and man, what a, what a great feeling. And then what interesting is after that. So uh, I lost in the fourth round against Jeff Taylor. Uh, yeah. I think it was eight cars left, but if I could bottle up that feeling of what it feels like to race for free, because that's what I felt like I, my confidence, I didn't think I'm not a, not, I'm not an arrogant person. Like I don't think I'm going to beat anybody. Right. I think I'm just going to lay down a very good run. And if you can get in, get in on it, then you deserve to win. Like for, for example, Cooter Hidalgo, Todd Hoven, Joe Santangelo, they didn't deserve to lose the championship any more than I deserved to win it. We are all very skilled racers. And, uh, and all of them, I mean, e- either one of us could have won it. I'm just very thankful it was my time. And, and man, I hate it for Joe, you know, like I don't really know him, but I, uh, I've, I ran him one time at the all-stars race years ago. And that was about the only time I spoke to him. And then he came over and we spoke after, after he lost the championship to me, I wanted to go talk to him, but I didn't know, you know, the, the, how that would go down. You know, I wanted to wait, give, give some cooling off time, but he came over to me to our truck and man, like that guy was really a nice guy. Like you can, can you imagine being in the lead for most of you, especially in super stock too. Right. And then to be in stock where, where, you know, you hit your last chances, you're leading it. You've done so well all year. And then I just kind of slide up and, and get it. And like for that guy, and I've said it before, I made a post, but if to, for him to give me the grace and the respect that he gave me, I'm a Santangelo fan for life. And he's a, he's a good guy, man. And he's, He's going to win the championship again, mark my words. But uh, but he made me – he lost – he made me lose 10 years of my life, I can tell you, with the stress that was involved. But a really nice guy, and it, it really turned out well. But but to, to kind of talk more about, like, the racing for free, I really felt like it was no pressure. And I don't know – you know, if I could – if I can get that feeling back and when we start racing at the end of February – uh, I'm excited to see how my year is going to turn out because this is just a, a big milestone for me. And wow, it's just, uh, I still can't believe it. You know, I'm, I'm very grateful. Yeah. And no, that's just, if we could always feel like that, the way you probably felt round three, four, just, I think so many of us would just be better racers. It is such a mental game and the, it, the racers that can control their emotions, the racers that just don't, shake the way i just did while you were telling me that story like they're the ones that see the wind lights you know more often than not but you know uh, it's, it's it's funny you say that i've done a lot of research on the past world champions right and i've i've of, of the type of people that they are and they're like they're not up and down emotionally people they are even keel and and i can't think of one who is not that way so that kind of made me kind of rein in some of my driving like for example if i make a bad run right and i mean i'll it's hard not to dwell on it because i i have a high level of expectation for myself to perform at a better level than, than what i just did so it's hard not to not to dwell on it when you gotta just you gotta i think greg stanfield the superstar world champion told my brother uh this year he said you know i don't i don't think about things like that when i make a, a bad run it's just like a swing and a miss with a baseball on the bat, right? This is exactly what it was. It was a miss. It doesn't define who you are as a driver. 
So go, go back up there and do what you do. And that, and he's exactly right. So that was some great advice that he had told us. But, uh, but when I did my research, I just realized, okay, you need to, you know, maybe handle some of your driving a, li- a little differently. And then if I can talk about Lee Zane for a minute, he really, there's, there's three people that really helped me turn my driving around. And Lee Zane is the number one. Uh, my best friend, Jeffrey Miller is number two and Scotty Richardson. We all know who he is, right? He, he's number three. And uh, so I drove, let me back up a little bit. I drove for Scotty Richardson. So years ago, we kind of got reconnected and Scotty said, why don't you come up and drive it's, uh, drive my dragster at the uh, Tin Tucks. It was at, it was at Bowling Green, Kentucky. Never, never drove a dragster in my life. Didn't know anything how to do it or whatever, but I flew there and I lost first round all three days. And what it did, it made me realize how, not sporadic, but how I could tighten up my, my game and my stock and my super stock. Like the staging process, I felt like I was very weak at that. And, uh, and just being around Scotty and his mentality, he is very confident. And, and he, he just, when he talks to you, you I don't feel like he, he's a good friend of mine. I don't feel like that he, he tells me something just to tell me something. He tells me the, the truth and he tells me if I'm bad and he tells me if I'm good. And, and if I got lucky, he, he does all those things. So fast forward to 2018, I was, uh, I had, um, at the beginning of the year, I had called a meeting with my brothers and a couple of my friends of mine that we raced with. And we went to Lupe Tortillas. Have you had Lupe Tortillas? Because you haven't been down this far enough yet, this, this way, but Stan and Sheila Holt, man. The Lupa Tortilla Mexican restaurant, you are you're you haven't lived life till you eat eat one of their dishes. But so we we go to Lupe Tortilla, we have a, a race business meeting, and we're trying to, and the purpose of this was to get us a little bit more streamlined, where one person where we designate, okay, one person, you're in charge of race fuel. You're in charge, make sure all the tires are good on the cars, you're in charge of um, you know, food and drinks, and you're in charge of getting spare parts together, all that stuff. And uh, so we were trying to kind of organize and, and so we're not so we don't have such a circus going on at the racetrack. So what had happened, that was in 2000, beginning of 2018. So I was I drove OK. It wasn't bad. Uh, I had a chance to win the championship in 2017, the year Justin Lamb won it. But my father had passed uh, when I was at a division race. So we left and went home. And I didn't, I just didn't feel like going. And I'm not saying I would have beat Justin Lamb, but I, I, the, I had some early exits to improve on and I could have been a contender, I think for sure. Not saying I would have beat him. I'm not saying that, but, uh, but so in 2018, I came out, I was good, but I wasn't, you know, I kind of had some hit and misses. So uh, I called uh, Lee Zane. I was at, it was going to Indy that year driving a, like a third gen Camaro stick shift car. And I chose him more so for the fact that it's a lot of the one-on-one I could call him at any time, night or day, he would answer the phone. And we spoke about, um, my starting line driving, things like that. And I had run it up at Indy that year and he was there, but he had already left, but we had stayed on the phone. And I, and I was like, I mean, I was in, a, I was emotionally wrecked because I, I wasn't driving as good as I was, as I was wanting to. And I turned it red in the final and I was blatantly red. And, uh, at the time when I went down, I thought, man, I was close. I bet it was five thou red. I got my ticket. It was like 30 red or 32 red, whatever. It was embarrassing. And, uh, but then when I watched the video, you can tell I left on nothing, right? It was just, it was a joke. So from that moment on, we have been together, Lee Zane and I, and we have, he has 
uh, developed a curriculum for me. He stars the, the practice, the conversations we have. And he's another one like Scotty. He doesn't mince words. If you do a good job, I'll tell you. If you do a bad job, he'll tell you. And, uh, you know, respectfully, of course. But he, he really had turned my entire, the way I interpret the bottom yellow, he turned it completely around. And I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm light years better than what I, than what I was. All because this guy took the time out of his day to help me because he knew I was struggling. And he, uh, he has a curriculum, I guess, for all of his class students anyway. But we talked more, and then, then he wanted to do something different. And uh, what an amazing guy to, to, uh, to really help people. You know, he's a, he's a world champion, right, and, uh, and a two-time world champion. So he, he, he kind of subscribes to that theory. You know, when you're at the top, you reach one and you teach one, right? You grab someone and you teach. And so that's why he's, he's got the school with Bud, Bud, uh, Bud McNasby. And they do a really good job helping people and kind of, you know, ironing out the wrinkles. And, and I have to say, uh, him alone did a lot for me. And I, I can't be more appreciative for, for what he's done. He has a really good program. And we have to get him on here. I did speak with him before. I know he has that driving school. I went to Scotty Richardson school. Uh, about 10 years ago when he had it and um you know i learned things there that i still use today obviously um but yeah lee zane i mean he's a little bit more local to me and um would like to hear more about the school that he has i know luke bogacki has one with justin lamb so they are popping up i think that's why the competition is just so ridiculous at this point it's so hard to win everybody's gotten better um so yeah we will We'll have to talk in and dive in with uh, Lee Zane a little bit more on that. Jerry, when you are not racing, uh, what do you guys do? What do you do for fun over there? This is it. We we uh, are married to this dealership. We do what we can six days a week. We open Monday through Saturday. Then we close on Sundays. And uh, when we're not working, we uh, we work on race cars. We don't take a, a lot of vacations, and we will, you know, as time allows. But we uh, we're really devoted to because this is our going into our fourth year of the dealership, so we're just trying to make sure this is going good before we can start taking some family time vacations. But our family time is really at the racetrack, and I, and I hate to say that, right? Like, oh, everybody says that, but like that's how my that's how we grew up with my dad, my brothers, and I have a very close bond, um, and we just really enjoy racing. And so we don't really, I, I don't know, do anything else for fun. We like to work on race cars. I have a lot of good friends that come over uh, and help me. Um, and uh, yeah, so anyway, it's just really, really nice to be able to race with my brother. My older brother hasn't raced in about four years. Uh, he was a 94 stock limited world champion. So his oldest son is racing with us now this year. So it's really nice to have both of them together racing with us. It's almost like, cause with, with my dad gone, we're definitely missing a big element, but with my older brother racing and we're all, together at the track it's like the band's back together we're having way more fun than than we used to uh slate cummings you know the Mosher crew right slate and brick cummings they're always parked close to us at at the racetrack on at the division level whatever and years ago uh and they have a great time and they win a lot right so nice. they uh, and they were parked either perpendicular or side by side and and brit uh yeah not Slate. brit comes over and says, boys, I got to tell you, we're miserable looking at you guys. Like, we're having a good time, and y'all are absolutely miserable. Like, this is your problem. You need to loosen up and have more fun. 
And uh, we took that to heart. And, and like from, and we became pretty good friends right over the years. And cause they used to beat us with a bat. I mean, it was incredible. And, uh, and they have, a. we just kind of learned like not to take it so serious. Jimmy DeFrank is another one of them. If you read any, anything that he writes or any interview that he gives, one of the first thing out of his mouth is that he's, he just wants to have fun. He's enjoying it. And, uh, and I think that if you don't enjoy it, you're really going to make it miserable for the people around you. And uh, maybe we were miserable. I don't know. But we were trying so hard to win that we kind of lost sight of the fun a couple of years, a couple of years back. So uh, and when you everybody wants to be around someone who's laughing and, and having a good time. Right. You're just you have that very contagious aura about you. So you just, you kind of plant yourself around those people, right? The positive people, uh, Mike and Paula Cotton, Stan and Sheila Holt. Like I love talking to those people because they, they just make you feel good as a person. When you leave a conversation with them, wow. You just feel, you just feel good. Right? They're, they, they enjoy life like you're supposed to. So anyway, but this, there's just so many people, uh, involved and a lot of sacrifices that, that go on. Uh, you know, when we, uh, when we race, you know, a lot of people like my, our employees have to run the dealership for us. We have a lot of good people in place, but like I have a wife with two young kids. Uh, thank, you know, I met my wife at the racetrack. I think that had to help uh, for her understanding of what goes on and uh, a lot of sacrifices there that she has to do. My brother. So like when, when we're busy at the dealership and we have to go to a race, well, I'll slide out the back door and I'll go work on the race cars. And they cover for me, whether it's buying cars or going to the buy shop, helping them out there or talking to a customer. They Everyone kind of rises up to the level where we can help each other. I'll get the race cars handled. You guys take care of the business, that kind of thing. Yeah, team, a, a good team effort. And, and that's obvious at the track. I've seen you guys race. You know, I observe who's kneeling down at the window with the notepad, telling the driver, this is what we got to do. Who's got the dialing? Who's checking the tires? I mean, it is... It is a, a, a team unit and it just happens to also be a family too. So it's, it's like a two for one deal. So that's, that's Ab- absolutely. Uh, one thing I want to, I want to brag about my best friend a little bit, Jeff Miller. So I met him at the, at a Dallas national event through another friend. And, uh, and we, we just hit it off from the very beginning. I met him at the race and on a Monday morning, he was going to college at the time. He shows up at our dealership, just this little dorky kid with glasses, right? Just a really, really nice guy, but he's, he's like you with math. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. So just over the years, we've had a really good friendship and we, we mesh well together. Jeffrey will give me, like, I'll have a game plan in my head of how we're going to race a certain competitor or whatever. And, and, uh, he's, he was really good about getting me out of my box and saying, no, you're not going to drive this way. We're going to do this. And he'll get the rag, get the shoe polish. He'll change it, mark it up. Whatever, whatever we want to do, we've talked about weight, uh, weight bars or whatever. I mean, he does everything and he does, he just says, good luck and slams the door. And then he'll tell me what to do. And it's, it's interesting how well you can do when you're not having to think about it. You just have someone tell you what to do and you execute, yeah. execute the plan. Lee Zane is, you know, and Scotty, they did the same thing. They help you, uh, execute and, but their confidence in you, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that when you have people around you, like my brother's, and Jeffrey that are with me at the races all the time, when they have the confidence in you, they make you believe you can do it. Uh, Gary Stinn is when I have to uh, brag on, like uh, I met him when he won the, the, the U S nationals in 1994, he beat Scotty Richardson in super comp. 
and I won stock that year. And I, that's how I, that's my first remembrance of, of Gary Stennett. And over the years I've watched him, uh, win championship after championship, national events. And, uh, and I'll talk to him and I, I'm careful not to get in anyone's way. Uh, I don't want to bother him. I know he's, he works uh, daytime. He works a day and night. So, but I listen to what he says and I, I like him for the same reason. I like Scotty and Lee Zane and guys like that because they shoot you straight. And I feel like when, when he's speaking, I'm going to listen because I, he could give me some information, which he has a lot over the years where I retain that and I remember it. And, uh, and it's really, really nice to, really nice to have. I consider those guys as my friends and it's good. It's good to have it. But my friend Jeffrey Miller has really stepped up and he sacrifices a lot, but the races that he can't go to, he'll be on the phone. He has a, a young family too. He'll be on the phone all weekend long with me. And, you know, watching the trend, tell me what to do. So, um, you know, he sacrifices a lot with his family, his friends and things like that. So I'm very appreciative of the people that I have in my corner that enable us to do this. So that is awesome. And I will, since, since you complimented my math skills right there, I guess I'll throw you a bone here. According to drag insights, Uh-oh, is this in good or bad? automatic, your average reaction time right now, Oh, 36. Okay. Hmm, that's not good enough. Okay. B stock automatic average reaction time. You're O 33. So I your driving it. skills are better in B stock automatic there. I just gave yeah. you a free bonus. <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> yeah. We're going to have to work on that. Your win percentage is much higher in B stock automatic too, but you don't have quite as many rounds under your belt. So I'll let you go with that one. Okay. Okay. But I want that. I want that reaction time improved for next year. Except. Oh, I, I completely agree. Yeah, that's not not that's not acceptable on my on my behalf either. So we're gonna have to work on that. <laughs> really, I thought it was better than that. That's a shame. Wow. That's going back many years. So okay. maybe maybe there you said there was an off year in there. Who you know maybe maybe a little couple of a uh, couple of offshoots. Mm-hmm. But that's all right. Oh, yeah. We all know what a we all know how good you are. I just wanted to make you feel bad for a second because that's yeah. what I do, you know. Yeah. For sure. Wow. Uh Jerry, we really appreciate you coming on today. You know you took time out of work. Um, who would you like to thank before you go? I know you have a probably a little list of people. Yes, if you don't mind. Uh so Todd Bailey is a real good friend of mine. I'd like to give him a shout out just for the fact that he comes over. So how I structure my when we work on race cars, I do family time first. And then when the wife and the kids go to bed, I'll go out to my shop. Well, I have a very good friend, Todd Bailey, that works for NASA. And he comes over at 9 o'clock at night. We work till midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning on the race cars. And he, got, he goes home, go, gets something, goes to work like we all do. So uh, I owe him a lot, of, a lot of kudos for that and helping me. Um, VP Racing Fuels helps us. And, and they, they do a lot of, a, a lot of things. Uh, a lot of things for us. Uh, obviously the Lucas family for, for what they've done. Who's your tire? It feels like we have a family with all of the, with Lucas VP and who's, we feel like we have a very good family bond between all the employees there that, that we interact with. And, and they're just really nice. And I like doing business with, with good companies, but um, Pete Perry is a guy that, uh, that I need to think he's an older guy. He's in his seventies that races and just, he's a killer and super stock. So he has kind of taken our dad role, right? So when and he races with us and he does a lot for our program. When we have a problem at the track, he's Johnny on the spot. He works on it and fixes it. And 
And I almost feel so uh, guilty because there's, you know, our mechanical ability is limited. So he just jumps right in and grabs his tools and, and says, just says, get out of the way. <laughs> like we make a joke. Pete Perry's a guy that can, he's, he's a guy that can fix anything with spit and a pocket knife. Like he's that kind of guy. And, <laughs> and he's done a lot for, for us. Um, a lot of friends, too, I believe Jerry, didn't he? Didn't yes. he just win yeah. something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, a lot of friends and family, uh, we had, uh, uh, some friends of ours or some family of ours bring, uh, they mailed us some bracelets that said Emma's motorsports on it. And there's like good luck bracelets to go out West on like just so many people have been nice supporting us going on, along this journey. And, uh, and I appreciate that. Like, it, I mean, and they wrote a really nice letter, uh, to go with and say, just good luck. Uh, and, and I want to say that a lot of people, like I, a lot of people I don't know had messaged us through Facebook, uh, through Messenger. A lot of people had my, got my phone number through through another racer, and the text messages and the calls. I'm still trying to get caught up on that. But to have other people so excited about your success is really moving for me because I didn't I didn't know that, and and I hope that I can be that person for them one day when they win a national event or even a divisional or or a world championship one day. I hope I'm that friend to them and give them the same courtesy they gave me. Cause it means a lot because without the, the connection that we have with people, this championship would be worthless to me. It would be very uh, empty and it, it has its value because of the people in the racing community that have reached out to me and said, Hey, we're really proud of you. And I'm, I'm very thankful to have to, to know, even to, for people I don't know, for people that reach out and say nice things. It was very nice. No, it's it's awesome, and and I I know it now. You know, I got so many texts and calls. I got a text from you there that day. I mean, it was just yes. great. Yep. It made me feel so special. So I can't imagine what a world championship. You know what you must be feeling like. But hats off to you, Jerry. Um, thank you to the viewers. Uh, Bob Unkefer uh, was oh, yeah. watching. He sent us two hundred stars. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Tim Stickles, who has also supported the podcast with his roofing company. Uh, sent us 200 stars and Brian, we know Brian's out there and he sent us 50 stars, Brian Anderson. Thanks buddy. Uh, Jerry Emmons and Emmons Motorsports. Uh, congratulations. Good luck in 2022. We will see you out there and um, we wish you guys uh, a lots, of, lots of luck in the off season, getting all these cars ready to go uh, with your business that you guys have going there. And um, that's it. And we will see you out there next year. Wonderful. And thank you so much for having me on. It's a very, very much so a privilege. We really love what you do for the sport. I know it takes a lot of time and it's not easy to do what you do, but it's really uh, something that as a sportsman racer, I really look forward. I'm glad we had, we, I'm able to come on your show. I'm glad I have a reason to come on here. So thank you very much for what you do and also for the drag insights and, and everything that you contribute to the sport. It's very much appreciated. All right, Gary. Craig, take us away, sir. Awesome. Uh, Thomas Baker Jr. snuck in there at the end there with some stars. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you, Thomas Baker. Absolutely. Jerry, thanks again. It's great to hear what's inside your head. and uh, Congratulations out there again. ClassRacingToday.com is our website. ClassRacingToday at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments, I uh, want to help support the show, send us a note there if you want a T-shirt or a sticker. Uh, but thanks again to everyone that is... Uh, throwing a little bit of value back at us uh, with the star system on Facebook. Uh, we are we are working on getting uh, more opportunity for you guys to help support the show directly. 
Uh, if you find value in it, you can turn that into some dollars and send it back our way. Uh, the other way you can show value is to share this out to your friends and uh, let them know to watch and listen. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. We will see you all out there again. Um, be safe. Have a good one.